Hi, everyone. It's good to be here at uh, <laughs> in Toronto and New Life and uh, to see all your familiar faces. But you know, and I know, we don't really see each other at this particular point. You see me, but I don't see you alive. But I have a wonderful way, thank God, for using this vision that he gives me. So I'm able to visualize you and, uh, and see you wagging your head, so nodding in approval and all of that good stuff. So let's find some prayer. Father in heaven, we just pray, Father, that by your Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to respond with, O Lord. Reveal to us the things of Christ in these characters that we're going to discuss this morning. In our Savior's name we pray. Amen. By way of introduction, we're going to talk about a gentleman named Barzillai, and I, I will probably mispronounce his names now and then. We're going to be focusing upon three or four different passages from 2 Samuel uh, to learn more about this brother and how he related to David. Uh, so this message is about one old saint, I'm old, and Andrew's getting up there, an old saint who brought comfort to King David while he was making his way through a very deep, dark, and discouraging time in his life, which all came about because of God's judgment. And yet, even though he's going through God's judgment, he feels the heavy hand of God, God sends a comforter, actually more than one comforter, to meet him in the way. So if you'd open up to Second Samuel chapter 15, please. And I'm going to read, uh, like I said, different portions here, but let's begin at Second Samuel chapter 15, verses 13 through 16. Anyway, David is, he's fleeing from Absalom. Absalom wants to destroy him. He wants to destroy all that is David's. He wants to take him down. So he's leading a rebellion. There's a civil war going on. And an informer came to David in verse 13 and reported the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. David said to all the servants with him, get up. We have to flee or we will not escape from Absalom. Leave quickly, or he will overtake us quickly. Heap disaster on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. The king's servant said to the king, Whatever my lord the king decides, we are your servants. Then the king set out, and his entire household with him followed him. But he left behind ten concubines to take care of the palace. Now turn to chapter 17. Uh, as David, we, we see here, as David was making his escape from Jerusalem, he was met with God's kindness in the faces and actions of certain good people of God. So looking at chapter 17, putting it at verse 27, and I'm going to read all the way up to 29, and you can see the gist of this, the gist of it. When David comes to Mahanim, Shobi, son of Nahash from Rabbah, of the Ammonites, Maker, son of Emiel from Lodabah, and Barzillai, the Giladite, from Rogalim. They brought beds, basins, pottery items. They also brought wheat, barley, flour, roasted grain. I guess that's cereal. Uh, beans, lentils, uh, honey, curds sheep, goats, cheese from the herd for David, and the people with him to eat. They had reasoned, the people must be hungry, exhausted, and thirsty in the wilderness. Because David left everything. He left everything, all of his riches. He's left it all behind him, and he has his household with him and, and some others. Okay, So amongst these faithful, loyal, and generous people, 
there was this man, these people that met David in the way, there was this man named Barzillai. Okay, now turn to chapter 19. And we'll see that following the defeat of Absalom and his forces, David was making his way to the River Jordan. He was making his way back to Jerusalem to restore his rule over the nation. By the way, I don't want to forget this, Absalom has been defeated. Absalom is dead. Now, David's armies have been victorious. If you read the narrative here, it was kind of edgy between Joab and David and others. Uh, But anyway, David is now, you might say, returning to his senses. He's going to restore his rule over all of Israel. In order to do that, he has to make his way back to Jerusalem. So uh, that's when he met again, this man, Barzillai. Okay, and look at verse 31 of 2 Samuel 19. It says, Barzillai, the Gilodite, had come from Rogalim and accompanied the king to the Jordan River to see him off at the Jordan. That's where he met him. Barzillai was a very old man, 80 years old. And since he was since he was a very wealthy man, he had provided for the needs of the king while he stayed in Mahanan. In verse 33, it reads, the king said to Barzillai, cross over with me, and I'll provide for you at my side in Jerusalem. Now, to sit on the king's side was a very great honor. And if you just keep your finger here in, in 2 Samuel 19, and just look briefly at Mark chapter 10 with me in verses 35 to 38. And we're going to see something of two men uh, who were vying or arguing, uh, contentious. But the names of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of Thunder. And they approached Jesus and they said, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you. Okay. What do you want me to do for you? He asked them. Then he, they answered him. Allow us to sit at your right hand and at your left hand in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Now, David is a picture of Jesus, okay? And here's David offering Basili a seat at his table at his side, quite the honor. So looking back at 2 Samuel 19, it reads, Bazelai replied to the king, How many years of my life are left that I should go up to Jerusalem with the king? I'm now 80 years old. Believe me, I'm not that far from 80 years old. <laughs> and he says, Can I discern what is pleasant and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats or drinks? Can I still hear the voice of male and female singers? Well, when I go to your church in Toronto, I can. <laughs> and I'm thankful for that. <clears throat> then he adds, why should your servant be an added burden to my Lord, the king? Since your servant is only going with the king a little way across the Jordan, why should the king repay me with such a reward? It's a big deal. Please let your servant return so that I may die in my own city near the tomb of my father and mother. But here is your servant. Chimham, Chimham, let him cross over with my lord the king. Do for him what seems good to you. And the king replied, Chimham, will cross over with me, and I will do for him what seems good to you. And whatever you desire for me, I will do for you. So all the people crossed the Jordan, and then the king crossed. And then 
the second part of verse 39, it says, then the king, and all this, then the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him. And Barzillai returned to his home. The king went on to Gilgal, and Chimham went with him. I believe that's Barzillai's son. And all the troops of Judah and half of Israel escorted the king. Now let's look at this man, Barzillai, a little bit more. His name means a man of iron or iron-hearted. Yeah, he's a tough guy, even though he's old. <laughs> you know, he, he has this name attached to him, and that means something biblically. When God sticks a name on you, it sticks, okay? He, he's, he knows he's old, okay? A lot of old people don't know they're old, and he's at peace with it. Someone has said there are old men <clears throat> who do not know they are old or who, who, who uh, seek to suppress their knowledge of it. Bazillai is not that man. He knew he was old. He was comfortable with being old. And, you know, when I was younger, I always enjoyed all the people, all the believers in particular. And it's an honor to have the privilege of getting to know the old and faithful saints. It truly is. Uh, I, I was under the mind, as many young believers today, is basically, you know, what use are old believers to the new generation? And to me, I find that very hurtful. The reason I find that very hurtful is because I never thought that way myself personally, but I've seen it. I've seen you go into church cultures where, you know, the church, entire church culture, culture is youth oriented. And, you know, we, we sometimes feel left out if you're older in a younger church. So be sensitive to the older saints. But even when I was younger, I always loved old people. It's an honor and a privilege to get to know old and faithful saints. And there's nothing like making friends with a conscious, cheerful, uh, hopeful old age saint, uh, such as this guy, Basili. I would love to have known him in life, but we're going to see him one day in glory. So though he's certain he doesn't have much longer to stay in this world, he's still very much interested in the best things of life, the things of God. And those are the best things of life. He may have lost his sense of sight, his eyesight. He may have lost his sense of taste, whatever it may be. Maybe slow getting up, laying down, right, whatever. But the bottom line is he's still delighting in his God, and that is his reward. God is his reward. So here we have Azaliah, a man who's rich, but who's satisfied with the simple things of life. You know, when I was uh, young, (laughs) in the 1950s, yes, when I was young, uh, just a kid and penniless, uh, and was just old enough to walk a couple city blocks from home, uh, my friend Paul and I went to the local variety store, and we would sometimes see this man that was considered to be a drunkard by many, a useless person, a worthless person. His name was Spud. And uh, he was, you know, we all believe that he was camping out, you might say, um, behind little factories by the tracks, the railroad tracks. And uh, But we would see him as we were going down to Gene's Variety Store, and he, he would talk to us. He'd get our attention, and uh, we would tell him what we were doing and all that type of thing. He would reach down in his pocket okay, and take out a quarter, 25-cent piece, for myself and my friend Paul. you got to keep in mind, uh, back in the 1950s, if you got your first job after you got out of high school, if you made 95 cents an hour, you did pretty good. Because it wasn't until the 1960s when I got my first job, 1965, first full-time job, I think I made a dollar thirty-five an hour. And that was that was, to me it was a lot. So here's a, a man who's considered worthless. Okay, he's digging into his pockets, he's grabbing fifty cents, 
okay, two quarters, and he's handing them out to me and my, my buddy Paul. We were astonished, but really, seriously, I'm more astonished now when I think about it than I was then. And uh, I said, wow, this is amazing. But you know what he did? He put a smile on our face. That's what he did. He put a smile on our faces. And we run off to the store and picked up our favorite candy bars or whatever it was. But, you know, it put a smile on his face. He loved doing it for us. And I love that. So he was simply pleased to put a smile on my face. Anyway, this man by Zilla, he was no spud. He wasn't living by the tracks, the railroad tracks. He was a man of wealth. Uh, and uh, I'm sure... He, he put a warm smile on David's face and on David's servants because they left everything behind in Jerusalem. Everything. Their beds of comfort, their food stores, many of their animals, whatever it may be, they're running for their lives. They're trying to avoid a disaster, not just for themselves, but for the entire city of Jerusalem. So down deep in his heart, he knew that God provided for him. And that's so important. What he needed, what he needed to provide to others, God already provided to him. Okay, and there was many. There were many like him in the early church in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter four, verse thirty-two, we read, <clears throat> "Excuse me." Now the entire group of those who, who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. Wow, that's amazing. So we have in Barzillai a man of experience, and I get the feeling, I get the feeling that he was quite satisfied with the simple pleasures of life. He would have done well as a poor man, as well as a rich man. So how can we learn from this man of God, this man of God? Uh, Well, if we read our Bibles to hear God's voice with a fresh heart so that we may walk with our fathers in the faith when this world was young and green, I see myself in a narrative. I, I love reading my Bible. I, I love these narratives like 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, so forth, so on, Ruth and uh, Esther. And I love these narratives because I picture myself in a storyline. And I, I think that's what a believer should do. They should picture themselves in a the storyline. They should feel the pain. They should know the joy. <clears throat> and so we can walk with our fathers in the faith when the world was young and green, and we can rest with Abraham while he sat under the shade of the yoke of memory, uh, we could ascend the mountaintop with Jesus and sit amongst his disciples to hear the words of life. And at the end of the age, we can listen to the angels singing as they bow down to worship the lamb and the lion. Of Abraham, the scripture tells us in Genesis 25, verse 8, he took his last breath, his very last breath, and died at a good old age. Old and, here comes the word, contented. He died old and contented. The Holy Spirit put that in there for us to learn by. Okay. And he was gathered to his people. I love that. Okay. Old and contented is a picture of Basilar as well. Now, how do you and I prepare to live a ripe old age, a ripe old pleasing God, pleasing age? Okay. Well, the answer is very simple. It's found with Enoch. He walked with God. Are you walking with God? Are you talking with God? Are you learning from God? And you do that through his word. That's how he speaks to us. That's how we have fellowship with God. That's how we get a deep sense of his activity in our life. 
And when he is active in our life, we recognize it for what it is. In Genesis chapter 5, verses 22, 24, it says, After he fathered Methuselah, Enoch walked with God for 300 years and fathered other sons and daughters. So Enoch's life lasted 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was not there because God took him. I love that. He got raptured, if you want to put it that way. Okay. <clears throat> and of Job, we could say, in Job chapter 1, verses 21 to 22, he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Throughout all this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. Bazilla is the same type of person. Are you? Am I? We can't say for sure if David wrote Psalm 92, but I'm going to read it for you because I think it strikes all the right, right notes. And uh, I think maybe he had Bazillai in mind. Okay, Psalm 92, verses 12, 13, 14, 15. He writes, the righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord. They thrive in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, healthy and green, to declare the Lord is just. He is my rock, and there's no unrighteousness in him. Wow. I think that's bizarre. And I think David could write something like that because he not only met Bazillai in his life, he met many others in his life. So how do we begin? Well, it begins with repentance, a change of heart, a change of mind towards God, towards ourselves, towards sin, towards righteousness and holiness. In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, Isaiah writes, Wash yourselves, cleanse yourselves, remove your evil deeds from my sight, stop doing evil, learn to do what is good. I'm learning from Bazillai. Pursue justice, correct the oppressor, defend the rights of the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. It's interesting that the law demanded all these things, and it was only Jesus who gave all of these things. Okay, It's really amazing. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, excuse me, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, idolaters, or males who have sex with males, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. But I love what comes next. And some of you used to be like this. Don't ever take a self-righteous air and say, I would never do that. No, many of us did those things. And that's where God found us. And that's when he saved us. Some of you used to be like this, Paul writes, but you were washed. You were set apart. You were sanctified. And you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. But you know, the story gets better with Bezalai. His sons, beginning with the one who went with David, they begin to take their place at the table of David, and David never forgets them. And I can prove that, okay? Uh, 
if you turn to Matthew, no, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. In, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 2, yes, this is it. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, then jump into verse 7. As the time approached for David to die, he ordered his son Solomon, who would take his place, show kindness to the sons of Bazali, the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table because, not just Bazali, but because they supported me when I fled from your brother Absalom. That's that's amazing. The father set such an example with his sons, and his sons were on board with them. They were the same heart, the same mind, that David blessed them. He was so kind to them. You know, James and John can argue all they want about or beg Jesus to be on the right side or the left side. They didn't know they're going to be by Jesus' side one day in glory. But not as they understood it. Not only did Bazillai show kindness to David, his sons showed kindness as well. What are your sons learning from you? What are your daughters learning from you? Do they know God, your God? Matthew, Matthew's gospel, chapter 5, Jesus says in verses 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. That certainly was by Zillai. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Bazillai, okay, wow, not just him, there are others that were generous along with him. Anyway, last words here. Um, When you grow old, and you're going to grow old, or unless God takes your life tomorrow as you drive out of the parking lot by the school, or from your home with the COVID, I don't know where you are at this particular point. But perhaps, you know, looking forward, perhaps when you reach the ripe old age of 80, God will continue doing great things through you. <laughs> I'm 75 this month, okay? 75 years old. I got saved in 72. You know, I don't think it's, I don't think because I'm older, I shouldn't be composing, if I could, the best hymns, the best contemporary songs, the best praises to God. I should be writing psalms about all that God has done throughout my life as he proved himself faithful to me and to other saints as well. I should still have dreams and visions. I should still be saying, God, give me, a, give me, drive me to bring about what will please you and honor you so that sinners can come to know you as their Savior, so sinners could delight in you, so sinners can del- sit in your courts as saints. Last text, Isaiah chapter 46. I love this one here. It's very special to me. Isaiah 46, verses 3 and 4. God says, listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from before your birth, carried by me, carried from the womb, 
Even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. Not many gray hairs, but, you know, gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, sustain you. I will carry and will save. I love that. I am he. I will carry. I will bear. I will carry. Is this your God? You see, if I don't know this God when I'm younger and profess to know Christ, how can I hope to have such a rich experience as an older believer? God must be work at work in your life, and you must be devoted to your God, growing in a knowledge of God, applying yourself to the study of his word, and looking for the leading of the Spirit in the course of your life, so that when the David show up, maybe not a King David, but when the little David show up, you can bring the kindness of God to them. That's what we're called to do as a church, as a body of Christ. We're called to bring the love of Christ to one another. We're not just called to sing together. We're not just called to read together or hear preaching together. We're called to be here for one another so that we may bring Christ to one another. Not just a Sunday morning, not just on Bible study night, but every day, whenever possible, whenever God gives us reason to serve him. And he will. Doxology. I love this. I'm not going to use it as a prayer, but I'm sure the writer Hebrews had in mind it as a prayer. He says, now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you, put your hook in this, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray in some prayer. Father in heaven, what a privilege it is to be able to minister to the saints in Toronto, Lord. I thank you for their faithfulness during the season of COVID. Lord, I, there again, Lord, we just know that you can grow the church even with COVID, that you can bless the church even though COVID is all around us and maybe in us. You can remind us through these circumstances, through this particular time, that we are your people and that you love us. So, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would just continue to help us to think upon these these thoughts that were shared this morning. Help us, oh, Father, to bring them before you, oh, Lord, and help help our, the areas we don't understand, Lord, encourage our hearts so that we may indeed be the bazillas of this world. We ask these things, Father, in the name of your precious Son. Amen.